properties are cozy and snugged. We own many properties. Why is that important? Because that's one way how to make money. And that's one way how to feed your family. I love it. Good job. Hello, hello, hello. Stephen Lee. You're a host and humble guide through this transmission of the Black Wall podcast. I want to thank everybody that's been showing me support and giving me motivation and fuel to uh, keep pushing. It's really important. All of us as black and brown investors across the world to continue to build this black wall and continue to share the black print that we're all creating. Today's episode is really personal and my spirit called me to do it because I want to make sure periodically throughout this whole experience that we're having together that I keep it honest and I really chisel out and make clear the reasons why I'm doing things and be deliberate about it. The reason why I decided and chose to start this podcast and specifically chose the uh, avenues of, of investing and uh, financial literacy for our people is because I feel that a lot of the time it's a very taboo subject and it's something that we don't really have the education or practice talking about positively. So today I want to share the lens and the skill set that I came to this whole investment thing with. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I really struggle with this episode because it's something that I, I can't tell without being completely honest. Um, I'm really not in the mood for judgment. I'm not in the mood for um, people acting like there's a right or wrong way to do things, right? We all come to this place that we're at our own way. So you can you can save your fucking judgments. I, I, I'm just not here for it. This episode is called Drug Dealer Math because I think it's important that I highlight the lens that I come to this game with as well as some of the similarities and and parallels that I see in the investment space and real estate space and the streets. My days of drug dealer math started I'd say back in 2003, 2004 area. It uh, it started at a homecoming weekend at uh, an HBCU that I won't name because I'm that's really not important. What's important is is that at that time I was selling uh, what was illegal. I was selling weed. Um, so at the time I was a drug dealer. Now it would be something different. Whatever you know. But like I said, this is 2003, 2004, so this is 20 years ago. 
So I would come down there, had some friends. Um, they had the campus sewed up. I'd bring pounds of weed. They'd sell it. We'd split the profits however we agreed at the time. We we were really fucking good at it. We were a great team. And these guys are from Cleveland. And we 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 just sewed the campus up. Moral of the story. We just did. We made $5,000 that homecoming weekend. And we were so happy. Um, I'll never forget. We were driving home. It was that Sunday night. We just sold out of everything. I mean, we sold a pound of weed in, in 20 sacks. Okay? So we were moving. And we hop out the car. We're laughing and joking and giggling. You know, talking about the girls, talking about the money, talking about the parties. And we stepping out the car. And I mean, as soon as my first foot hit that goddamn curb, all I heard is bushes rattling and you know what it is. It's all I heard. And I'm high on my mind off some motherfucking haze. So I'm, my, my reflexes are slow. In my mind, just selling weed. I'm not out here selling no coke, no crack. So it's, it's, it's just weed, man. That's how I'm looking at it, right? But this motherfucker with this AR-15 in my face saw it very differently. Very, very, very differently. And I quickly realized how differently he saw it. And masked up, come out the bushes, say, you know what it is. And I look at him and I see he's not fucking around. And I realize I'm fucking around. I'm out here being a drug dealer who doesn't want to be a drug dealer. And they showed me. That I was a drug dealer. So so I just freeze. Because I ain't never been in this situation before. Now maybe. You know. Early 20s. And then his homeboy. Pops out the other side. And has a pistol. And freezes my homie up. So now we both frozen. So they walk us upstairs. Walk us in the apartment. Where we got a couple of our other buddies. Sitting there with all the money. Right. Because we done sold out the drugs. So we just got a bunch of fucking money. And they walk us right in that house at gunpoint. Got an AR-15 to the back of my head. My buddy's got a pistol to the back of his head. And they calmly walk us in there. And when we walk through that house in the apartment, I can see it to this day. I'm trying everything in my power to give the eye signals, the something signals like these dudes are behind us, but in hindsight, I'm now thinking we wasn't going to do shit even if I did warn them because we wasn't assuming the role and understanding that we was drug dealers. So we ain't had no guns. We ain't had no cameras. We ain't have shit, but a bunch of motherfucking illegal money in this house. Right. And they were coming to get it. So they lay us down. They say, give us the money. We're going to kill you. So, of course, we scared. We're not about that life at all at this point. We give them the money. Now, five of us get laid down. Four of us, excuse me, get laid down. Immediately, the other two dudes are like, we're done. We're not even trying to live with y'all no more. We're not trying to hustle. We're not trying to do nothing. We are college kids. We're done. 
which I actually respect them for. Now, the other two of us, me and my dumbass friend, both of us being dumbasses, we decide to assume the role of really being drug dealers now. And in that moment, I realized that once you hit $5,000, there are people out there that are willing to take your life, risk their life for that money. The minute you hit that mark, anything under that, everybody kind of thinks you're playing. Yeah, you you know, people have lost their life over it. I'm not saying they haven't. But you haven't really crossed that threshold until you could put together $5,000 on the streets. This is 20000 This is 20 years ago. So it's probably about 20000 now, right? But as soon as you hit that mark, there it, it seems like every jacker in the zip code is coming for your ass. Maybe even the county, depending where you live. So you got to keep that in mind. That $5,000, somebody was willing to kill me and three other people. Before we had ever even touched the peak of our life. Okay. So now when you translate that into the real estate space. That's why I'm so touchy about all the things that we talk about. Leverage, borrowing money. This one can give you this easy financing. This, that, and the third. Listen to me, people. I know for a fact That there is no such thing as free money and there is no such thing as you taking someone's product or you taking someone's money and you're still the boss. That doesn't exist. Pause that part of the conversation for later. So once I realized that someone will kill you for five thousand dollars on the streets. I said, "Okay, we got to we got to get serious. So I got serious. I became a real drug dealer at that point. That's neither here nor there. So now after we get robbed and laid down. We go to Cleveland, Ohio, because that's where they're from. And they want to go be with their family and kind of get the vibe or whatever and just lick our wounds, essentially. So we go back to Cleveland and we lick our wounds. And that's when I got introduced to Cleveland. And that's when I got introduced to that whole world. And I met these older dope boys. And one of the guys, big, big guy. He had just been released or was about to be released or some kind of situation because I've never really actually put my eyes on him. But he was buying up houses. And his wife, baby mama, girlfriend, whatever, not really sure their situation, none of my business. But she was a real estate agent. And this was during the time of no doc loans, y'all. This was just a fucking fraud and a scam wrapped up in, in, in one. Okay. And essentially what you would do is he had the real estate agent, his lady, and then he had some crooked appraisers. I'm not telling anybody anything new. People are probably still getting out of jail over this shit. I had the crooked appraisers. The appraisers would go in to these bandos. These bandos had nobody in them and they would appraise it like somebody was in there. They would appraise it for this crazy amount of money. So then you go and you got the house under contract for 50,000, call it the appraiser appraised it for 75. And now at closing, you're walking away with 25 grand, 
right? You had to provide no documentation. This shit was crazy. So every dope boy was going and getting girls or anybody that would have a pulse and, and sign for this shit and say, sign for this house. I give you 10,000 at closing, give you 5,000 at closing, pocket the rest, keep it pushing, right? Never fixed the houses up, never did anything. Obviously, we had the subprime mortgage crash. The whole system fell apart. It was a bad idea. But that was now my second introduction into drug dealer money. Because they're sitting here and they're taking essentially worthless pieces of property, bribing different instruments in the whole financial system, and then profiting not only from the mortgage they took out on this property, because the property was never worth the amount of money that it was appraised at in the beginning. And then the amount of money that they said they were going to pay for it was inflated. So they, they double dipped and profited And the game lasted for years. And it was great. People would get $10,000 checks, $15,000 checks, $20,000 checks every month for a couple years. But then the game ran out and then all their adjustable rates came and nobody was fixing up any of these houses with the money. And they had two, three mortgages on them. They took out a mortgage to buy it, a mortgage to fix it up. And it was just a scam. And that's the second time I noticed it. But I said to myself, this guy is 40 years old, which I am now. And he's still in and out of prison. He's still trying to figure out a loophole to make money every time he gets free. And yeah, he's shining. He's got, he had Davins on his car. Real Davins. I remember that. Real spinners. Davin spinners. Not the bullshit that y'all added the kid onto. He had a real life Impala SS on Davin spinners. And I'm pretty sure he was locked up now that I think about it. Because I did go by that house. They lived in Solon, which is an affluent suburb in Ohio, Cleveland. And I'm pretty sure he was locked up. Because I asked him, whose car is this? And he said, oh, it's such and such's car. But he's still locked up. So he was still locked up making all these moves. So I think to myself, as I'm seeing the the the, the short-sighted uh calculations of drug dealer money if you will and the drug dealer math in the whole cycle of i want to check now but not thinking about each one of these properties that he's getting a check from he's not putting anything into him and he's not building up a portfolio he's not building up cash flow he's just getting a one-time check and that right there stood out to me And I said, damn, you're touching all these opportunities to make it where you never have to go back to the streets. And your options could be limitless. And you choose to use these checks to re-up more. I made a conscious effort to not get involved in that because I knew it would burn my capital and my social bridges that I have with people. Each one of those persons that I went ahead and had signed for something. Once the reaper came and ruined their credit, I know they wouldn't be my friend anymore. They would never do anything else for me. I could never count on them for business. So I didn't do it. But I felt like at the time I was missing out on money and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that feeling of damn, everybody's getting rich around me 
And I'm, and I just hit my first pound. I remember getting my first pound in that time. I think I might have spent $3,500, $4,000 on it. And I remember saying to myself, these guys are getting ten, fifteen thousand dollar checks on these on these these houses that are nothing. I realize that that the problem with that math is it doesn't account for stepping away from the game. I thought we all got into this so we don't get our doors kicked in, so we don't get walking to the house at gunpoint, so our families are not in the middle of raids. Thought that's why we got into this. We didn't get into this to find a loophole. That's not it. So when I say drug dealer math, I'm really talking about the mindset that I came into this with when I'm looking at property. See, that's why I'm so scared to take out loans and leverage. Because in my world, if you take out a loan on the on the cash or the product that you have, and you can't make that payment, you got street problems, right? You don't have a letter coming. They don't call your phone. It's not like a polite situation, right? And I think that sometimes people think that that credit score or or those things, your job or that stuff is going to be a buffer or keep you away from the harsh realities of the creditor or the harsh realities of when the shit doesn't go right. And part of being on the streets is that you always are expecting something wrong to happen, right? You never go ahead and front out all your, your packs or whatever or go collect or whatever, and nobody has a fucking story. Nobody always pays you what they're supposed to on time, 100%, no hassle. That just never happens. So that skill right there kind of, I don't want to say it preps you, but it preps you for collecting fucking rent. When you go collect rent, everybody's got a fucking story, man. When you go collect rent, everyone thinks their rent is too goddamn high. It's the same thing when people come and come on, man. It's the same thing. Now, when I look at a house, there's two different types of people on the streets. There's the middleman hustlers. There's a dude who's working for somebody. And then there's the plug plug, the plug plug. Pays for all his shit up front. Right? He has a certain amount of inventory for a certain amount of time. He has certain people that do his distribution. He has certain people that do his marketing. He has certain people that do his transportation. Right? But at the end of the day, he's responsible for coming up with enough cash to stock the inventory for the week, the two weeks, or the month. Right. Once you become to that level, you now have things like overhead employees. You have lawyer fees. You have real shit going on like a company. But some people don't even want to deal with that. That's not their thing. Some people want to know three or four plugs. And then they want to know everybody underneath that that needs a plug. And they want to make their commission in the middle. Right. Those people are called agents, right? Agents, wholesalers, all these fucking people. It prepares you for that. If you're willing to step away from that one set of mathematical vision, which is drug dealer math. If you're able to learn a new game, 
your 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 skill set from the streets translates. The language doesn't translate, right? Maybe some of the tactics don't translate. The aggression might not translate. The violence might not translate. But none of those things on the streets ever really made you money any fucking way. Tell me when the violence and the aggression on the streets made you long money. Never. It's the same thing when you're dealing with corporate America and and building a business. Right? So I'm here to be honest about something. I didn't learn business and money outside of the streets. So when I see $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, that's a lot of money for me. It doesn't matter how much money I have because I know what somebody else will do for that money. So that's how much it's worth. $5,000 is worth your life. So $5,000, $50,000, it doesn't matter. If someone's willing to take your life over it, that's a lot of fucking money. That's the way I look at it. If it can make sure my kids are somewhere safe, that's a lot of money. Doesn't matter how much we're talking. Right? So, once I saw that there were people who have the means, the whole infrastructure, has the agent, has the appraisers, has the, the contact to find the properties, has the bank to that'll easily fund them. He had the whole infrastructure behind bars. And he chose to scam as opposed to build a portfolio. That's a personal fucking choice, y'all. That's a personal choice. And when I saw that, I realized the limitations of drug dealer math. Drug dealer math, it counts in hundreds, thousands, maybe even hundred thousands. If you're lucky, if you're the best in the world, I'm talking the best. BMF status, you're counting in millions. But guess what else you're counting? You're counting prison years in fives, tens, and twenties. And if you go to the feds, you're counting that shit in months, 120 months, 60 months, 240 months. Right? This is if, this is if you're the, the best of the best we're talking here, y'all. If you create a real life cash producing leverage free real estate portfolio, in that same 20 years, oh, your money would be out. It wouldn't even it wouldn't even add up. You wouldn't touch any drugs. But when you're so caught up in that mindset, y'all trust me, I know. I remember counting life in pounds of weed. Man, if I got one pound, my life would be like this. If I can get to a five pack, my life will be like this. If I can get to 10 pounds, my life will be like this. Man, I get 50 pounds. Shit. You might as well, uh, if you would have told me I was able to sell 50 pounds of weed a month, I'm thinking Learjet money. That's how limited our scope can be with all the infrastructure, right? All the infrastructure to do legitimate wealth building, life changing shit. And we are not willing to learn a different set of math skills, right? Because the, the, some of this shit's going to translate. Right? You know how to hold an inventory if you really a plug. See, that's what I was about. 
I was never the on the corner dude. I never had a bunch of people calling my phone. I don't like fucking people. Okay. So to me, I had a few people I dealt with. We had great relationships. I was your drug dealer's drug dealer. Okay. I preferred college situations. I preferred people that, that, I, that I knew were trying to make money. They weren't, they weren't on no other shit. And when I would deal with them, I was willing to have a profit margin, call it 30%, 50%, right? So if I bought a pound for $3,000, if I could sell it for $5,000, I was happy. That's not doubling your money. I was happy as a pig in shit. Now, I also was willing to have a felony on my record. I also had to deal with collections. I also had to deal with a bunch of shit. But I thought that that was good money. I'm not thinking that you could take that same mindset and say, man, let me just get one house. Let me just get one house and rent rooms out to all my, my motherfucking little ass friends. Right. Because none of us had families. None of us had anything. We were all living together anyway. We we're paying rent as roommates anyway. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of it as that. I remember getting to the point where I was so was so arrogant. That I remember, don't call my phone unless you spend fifty dollars like that's something. Like I was, I was, I was, I was pushing a limit there. Once again, not understanding my potential. And so when I started this podcast, I started it because I wanted to rip down the fourth wall. I wanted everyone to stop coming to the investment and financial space thinking they have to have their shit together. That's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you have your shit together, then why are you here? I don't have my shit together. I realized that I wanted to be the plug in a legal way. And I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I saw cheap ass houses. And I knew from the streets that you don't start off selling the best of your product. You just don't. If you start selling weed, you're going to sell the worst fucking weed. And you're going to have some hustle about yourself. And then you're going to meet somebody that sees you and is like, man, why are you selling this bullshit? Come fuck with me. But you're not going to meet that person until you get out there. Now, I'm not sitting here and, and telling people to sell drugs or what. That's not if you if you think that. And you're listening to this podcast. You're a fucking idiot. Okay. Because you should be doing. You, you should be doing something better with your life. Than listening to a financial investment podcast. And trying to figure out how to fucking sell drugs. It's the opposite. If you're listening to this. The only acceptable answer is. You're selling drugs right now. Trying to figure out how to fucking stop by investing. That's the part we don't ever want to talk about. Like nobody's trying to stop. Plenty of people trying to stop. It's just that when they try to stop, people want to talk about how they got here. Ain't nobody. Come on, man. So now at this point, 
I realize my mathematical system is fucked up. I'm looking at shit in pounds and thousands. I'm trying to figure out how to make millions and stay free. I'm on the wrong path. But I know I'm willing to wake up early. I'm willing to take drives. I'm willing to go to cities where maybe I don't know, but I know one person and I know they got a market that that's looking for my product. I'm willing to sleep on couches and be uncomfortable. I'm willing to build an infrastructure. I knew all of that about me from my time in the streets. But I also knew I didn't want to leave my children alone and not be free no more. And I brought those same work habits and work ethic and not being afraid to talk to people and and having pride in my product. I brought that to the food truck. And then from there, I didn't want to go back. So I needed an investment that was more long term. Right. But I didn't start by just flipping houses. I didn't just start by saying, "Okay, let me just get into real estate. That's not how it starts, y'all. It starts from that first moment you realize that your mathematical system is fucked. Mine was drug dealer math. Right? Maybe yours is nine to five math. Maybe yours is motherfucking stay at home and 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 let your husband pay for everything math. Maybe yours is stay at home and let your rich baby mama pay for everything math. Maybe yours math is going out to the dance. And shake your ass math. I don't fucking know. But what I'm telling you is. If you're not willing to learn a different thinking. And a different calculation in your mind of math. Not the arithmetic. Right? Because arithmetic is going to be the same wherever the fuck we go. One plus one is always going to equal two. But the way that you look at what you can do with that one plus one. For two. And how we can turn the two into the next multiple. That depends on how you look at the world. And that's why I did this podcast. That's why I'm going to continue to do the podcast. That's why I'm going to keep it real. Because I'm not in the ego stroke of nana and nana. Look at me. I built this. Come sit at my feet. Try to figure out how the fuck I did it. That's not what I'm about. Never has been. Never will be. What I'm actually here to do. Right. Is say. Look at me. I'm a black person just like you. I have melanin in my skin just like you. So whatever shade that melanin came with you, it don't matter. We got it. I'm also here to say I don't fit into society boxes and their and their expectations at all. Just like you. I don't have some crazy fucking educational degrees. I don't come from some some great uh pedigree black lineage family i'm very proud of my family i think my family's the best as you should think yours is but you might not know my family and that's cool right i don't have no media training i don't have no perfect life i did not go through my 20s and 30s thinking about if somebody would pull my name up i just didn't but what i have acquired is some real life experiences I've built multiple businesses and I want to tear down these walls that make people think or what I want to call the system 
wants to make real sharp minds not even enter the game because they're scared. It's okay to say you're scared to transition from the streets. It's okay, it's okay to say you're scared to transition from whatever your status quo is. However you're used to paying your bills, whatever makes you comfortable to stay in your lane and be cozy, it's okay to say you're fucking scared. But don't bullshit me and say there's not a better way to make money. Don't bullshit me and yourself and say you're maximizing. Okay? Because every day that you sit there and you say, wow, that was a great idea. Oh, wow, I could do that. Oh, wow, I should. I could. That means you're missing a motherfucking dollar on the table. Ain't nobody making you miss that. Ain't nobody making you miss that. Ain't nobody said you had to sleep eight hours. Ain't nobody said that you had to be up underneath your man or your woman. Ain't nobody said you had to answer every one of your child's beckoning, calling wishes. That's a fucking choice. You understand? So when we get to this point of trying to figure out, are we just going to stick in the same rubrics of math and equations and value that we always had. That's a personal choice. Because I'm telling you now. The things I valued at 20. Are very different than the things I value now. So therefore with that. We got to do the same thing with our money. With our paycheck. With our investments. With our mindset. If you're spending the same amount of money on your car. Now that you did five, ten years ago. You're fucking up. You shouldn't be. We're at the prime of our life where we should be making this motherfucking money. If you're not focused on that, if you're not legacy building, if you're not really putting the pedal to the metal right now, then just be honest with yourself. That's not what you're really trying to do. And get out of somebody else's way and help them push. Because you at this point know if you're really not about it, then go help the next person. Support the next black person, that brown person, yellow person that's out there trying to get what they're trying to get. And that's what this is all about. Okay? So once again, this is going to be a call to action to everybody out there. I'm coming to you looking at this investment in real estate space from a place of What would I do? What would somebody do for this money? That's why I'm so appreciative of every house. That's why I'm so appreciative of every investment I've ever made. Even if I lose money, I never lost my life. And I think that when we go into investing and we go into creating these companies and these businesses, I want us to have at the forefront of our mouth, in our mind, in our eyes, that worst moment before you started. That moment when you said, man, I'm not going to ever have to depend on this motherfucker's paycheck or I'm never going to have to depend on this motherfucker's alimony check, child support check. I'm never going to have to listen to this person talk to me like this at this table. 
because I need this tip. I want all of us to remember that moment, right? Because at one point I was doing chef math. I need 45 hours. I need this amount of overtime. I need this to pay my bills. So whatever your lens is, I challenge you to grow it. I challenge you to, to honestly look yourself in the mirror and say, how sustainable is this? How real is this? Is this just me being comfortable because I don't want to fail and I'm scared of the consequences of failing? Or is this a real sustainable plan? Is this really how I want to live my life? Is this the example I want to leave for the world? There's no limit on how many things we can do. No one said that you have to either choose to work for somebody or not work for somebody. That's 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 crazy. But the question is, is whatever we're choosing to do, is it our max? Are we challenging ourselves? Are we learning more than one skill at a time? Are we monetizing the skills that we know? Right? And we have to be honest about this with ourselves. This is not an Instagram conversation. This is a you, you, and you conversation. So with that, I hope that that story and kind of giving you the perspective of of how I look at investing in the importance of it and how it is a life and death thing, how it's not a joke. It's not just numbers. It's not just, oh, yeah, they said this, they said that. When you get into this, I want you to really think about what's the worst case scenario. What happens if everything goes wrong? What happens if no one pays? Right? What happens if nothing gets rented? What happens if we have another president that says rent doesn't need to be paid for a year? Don't let people make you think you're crazy for bringing your life experience into investing and asking the tough questions. Even if you don't have the right terms, you're asking legitimate questions because you've seen it before. You've seen it before in a different space. But that's a valid question. So with that being said, I hope that that gives people confidence and light and feel okay with walking into the new spaces and learning different languages and still staying true to yourself and not feeling like everything that you did before you got to this point was wrong because it wasn't. It got you here. So. I want to thank everybody for listening. It's been a great transmission. I appreciate you guys listening. Check us out on all the socials. BLK wall underscore podcast. And uh, keep a lookout for all the interesting things and products and projects that we got coming. Appreciate y'all. Bye-bye. Um, I think daddy should make a lot of money so we can have more properties and make way more money than we're supposed to because I think making money means that we can that we can expand more of our properties and then we can make more money by having um, better properties.